Welcome to the Slavic Boat Podcast. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you enjoy this episode. All right, Pastor Brett, thank you for coming. We're really excited to have you here. And, My pleasure. Uh, thank you, Yaroslav. Thanks for coming. It's really good to have you. Um, how are you feeling, Yaroslav? Good. Uh, I think this is going to be really interesting. Yes, yes. <laughs> like I was saying, I was telling Pastor Brett uh, earlier was that the Slavic community has probably been waiting for this podcast, this radio show for a very long time. <laughs> We're going to get our questions answered. Nice. Uh, and I think it'll be for the benefit of everybody. For sure. And I'm sure, uh, like usual, we have uh, new listeners listening to us. If you can do a quick intro to Slavic Vote, kind of what we do and, and, um, and some of my new updates. Uh, yeah, I mean, as far as an organization, I think we're about two years old. Uh, I remember Brett was actually at our first SAS event. That was like the first year that we started or yeah. kicked this thing off. And uh, we got enough momentum to actually start moving and doing stuff in the Slavic community. And uh, I think the first year, all we did was mainly just registrations. Uh, there were so many Slavic people that have been citizens in the U.S. for 20, 30 years. I'm probably the guilty one because <laughs> I started personally voting about three years ago, mm-hmm. uh, which is, I think, kind of reflected what the Slavic community was doing alongside me. Um, and then we actually started moving more into education and trying to get the Slavic community to know how to participate in their communities. Uh, like if you go to a board meeting or a meeting uh, within your community, uh, you can hear what your community has, what kind of questions they're proposing. You know, you, you get to meet the people that are making the laws and the rules and the regulations in your community and your school boards. It's, it was an eye opener for me, especially when I went to my first uh, meeting like that. And then we also want the Slavic community to actually go out there and do something. Uh, so knowledge without works or without doing something is pretty much useless. Right. Uh, so and this year was really interesting because we had a few Slavic people that actually tried running for a few positions and um, we got two second, third places. Um, and it was just a good learning experience mm. overall. We didn't expect to win, but it was a good learning experience. Absolutely, yeah. And I, I know that uh, we kind of transitioned to a lot of uh, uh, mainly the radio and just educational side of things, but I'm excited to, you know, to kind of announce that we are back on the road. We are going back to churches, and uh, we have plans already to start that back up. In fact, we had a, our first uh, main registration drive this weekend at the Slavic Festival. In fact, that was organized by the Slavic Family and Slavic Community Center. And um, it was it was actually fairly a good good a good um, turnout. Uh, we had about 15, 20 people registered to vote, and that's always exciting to see more and more yeah. people actually getting out there and registering. Um, but what what was your experience, uh, Yar? Um, not as many people. We know all know why. I'm not sure. Is it safe to say? You that mean for attended, right? Radio. <laughs> <laughs> talking about att- attendance to the entire event. Um, we had a lot of people go attend our booth yes. for a very <laughs> interesting reason, and that was because Dima was selling kvass. It's a Russian drink. Oh, <laughs> well, I, yeah, um, I was expecting. We were just bombarded by people. They were they weren't buying it by the cupful. They were like taking the gallons and running wow. around them. So. so now, what is what exactly is that? It's, um, it's like a kombucha, Russian kombucha. Yeah. kombucha. I mean, that's one way to call it. Okay. A little different. I'll have to give you a bottle sometimes. Yeah, yeah, Actually, yeah. you've had it. Remember when we had that dinner? You had it at, the, oh, yeah. at yeah, Bill's that's house. That's right. We did. That's okay. what it was. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's good. That's good. That uh, tasted yeah. drink. <laughs> yeah. But it brought the crowds. Yeah. yeah, Dima, he made his own formula, so it was super popular. Uh. Like, usually Russian people, they know because they've tasted so many different varieties, but they were coming back saying, like, whoa, you know, what are you making this from? And he's got his own formula where it's like, well, it's it's a gluten-free, so it's a little different. I mean, it's not for everybody. Some people don't like it. Some people like it, but yeah. so far, majority is still buying well, it. Well, I've, so. I've had, you know, his his barbecue. I've had, <laughs> so, like, this guy, he, he brings it to a whole other level. Well, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, the turnout was, I think, was overall good. Uh, because yeah. of COVID, I think we would expect less turnout. Mm-hmm. But uh, maybe next year it would be good to have you there. And yeah. um, uh, but we'll, we'll keep you updated on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, usually there's a lot of good food, too. And there's, you know, good barbecue as well by a lot of good uh, Slavic uh, cooks. But... De- definitely next time. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. So if you guys are, uh, you know, if you guys are interested to have us come out to your church and do a registration drive, just uh, let us know on Instagram and Facebook, and uh, we'll be able to actually do that. And uh, we already have a few kind of planned ahead. Uh, so I'm looking forward to seeing a lot of people there. And sub by say that you listen to us on the radio, and uh, I'll be really excited to to learn uh, who are listening to us. 
And Yaroslav also mentioned briefly uh, about the SAS uh, that uh, Pastor Breda was on with us in 2019. I've actually posted that uh, yesterday on our Facebook and our actually yeah Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. So you, if you want to catch that, you can actually see that. And uh, it was an excellent, excellent evening. And I, like I said, like Yaroslav said, it was kind of what kicked us off as well, uh, that event, and kind of got us um, to really on our momentum so well thank you very much once again pastor brett it's good to have you uh My i just pleasure. wanted to i guess kick it off just to kind of l learn about your story uh, i'm sure a lot of listeners might not uh, know about who you are or just not sure about your background but uh, could you speak a little bit about kind of where you grown up and how long you've been in ministry and were you always in the ministry yeah uh m boy happy to be with you guys thank uh, you and really happy to be uh watching from a distance you guys are doing some hard good work Thank you. And, uh, but yeah, uh, you know, when I was a young, young kid, I, I, I just loved church and I loved the Bible. And, um, I remember when I first was introduced to just solid Bible teaching as a 10 year old, uh, it wasn't long after that. I thought that's what I want to do. Uh, so by the age of 12, I knew I wanted to be a Bible teacher mm. and, uh, and bring, you know, like old Jay Vernon McGee said, you know, bring the hay down from the loft. I, I love how, um, I love the Bible teachers that bring kind of the heavy doctrine, but make it so it's easy to take in. And, and I, I had that given to me when I was a young, young kid. And so, um, so I started doing whatever I could to move that direction. I started teaching Sunday school when I was uh, 12 years old. Um, they put me in a class of first graders. Uh, and then about six months later, they put me in a class of sixth graders. And I was just out of sixth grade myself. So, uh, but I was a big kid. They thought I was older. Uh, but, uh, and I taught there, uh, you know, and, and really taught Sunday school from that point on until I was 30. Uh, and so a lot of Sunday school. And I became a, a children's pastor of a large church uh, 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 when I was uh, 17. They made me the children's pastor and got licensed or ordained uh, by the age of 18. And uh, so got an early start. Um, you know, uh, my studies were mostly uh, through the, the church that I was at. Um, I, I got a degree in education at Southern Oregon University because I always thought, you know, Paul the Apostle had a tent making skill. And I wanted to have that. I wanted to, if I were to go start a church, I didn't want to have to make people feel like they had to f finance, you know, the startup of a church. I wanted to be able to work. And um, so, and I thought a teacher would complement that, you know, uh, that, that kind of a job. But uh, as it turns out, uh, uh, I, I just kept ministering at this uh, church in Southern Oregon for uh, a lot, lot of years. And then we moved up uh, when I was 30, we started Athey Creek and that was in 1996. Mm. And um, we, you know, I, what we were doing is looking for the, the place that needed a church the most. And at that time in 1996, Seattle and Portland were jockeying back and forth with uh, the least church cities in America. And I thought, well, it's right, you know, coming from Southern Oregon, that was one of the most churched areas uh, per capita. I thought, well, it's right in our back door. And so Debbie and I, we moved up to the Portland area in some some ways kind of on a mission field, you know. And little did we know how it would get uh, by the time 2021 would come around. Uh, Portland continues to be a mission field. And um and we, we, we're, we're blessed because we feel like in some ways we're at the front lines um, as a church that's teaching the Bible. Um, you know, uh, there's a lot of, a lot of um, opposition, really, we feel from, uh, from a lot of people. But we also see the Lord just blessing our church. So we started in 1996. We've been going to uh, 25 years now. And uh, the church has grown from zero to fairly large and and now we're just uh, hanging on for the ride, uh, keeping it simple. Uh, you know, the one thing I've never stopped doing from the time I was 12 is just teaching right through the Bible. And that's kind of our, that's my goal. That's what the Lord's called me to do is just verse by verse, chapter by chapter, you know, right through the Bible. Uh, and that's really what Athey Creek, we, we actually have to fight to keep it simple. Uh, there's a lot of pressure to do a lot of different things, but we're seeing just really good fruit from just, just sticking to that that uh, narrative is verse by verse chapter. We're, we're actually on our second round through the Bible mm -hmm. uh, in 25 years. <laughs> the first time around was uh, 13 years from, you know, wow. we started in the gospel of John and then we went uh, all the way through from John to Revelation and then started in Genesis and then went all the way back through the old. And uh, that was a 13 year uh, journey. Uh, this particular lap that we're on right now is about a 16, 15, 16 year journey through the Bible. Uh, 
and all our teachings, every teaching I've ever given is online, you know, so right. people, uh, we find a lot of people like to catch up, you know, if they're, if they're just joining us in a book, they can go online and kind of catch up the, the, the books they've missed, or if they miss a Sunday, they can, uh, they can go and, and, uh, you know, watch that on video or, or an audio. So that's kind of how that works. And what's the website? Uh, com. Uh, that's the name of our church, Athey Creek. It's A-T-H-E-Y. Um, people say Athey, uh, like atheist. <laughs> people say that. <laughs> no, not atheist. Uh, Athey. There's, there's actually a creek by our property called Athey Creek. Oh, and, uh, and um we're just Athey Creek Christian Fellowship, com, and, and our YouTube uh, page has... Uh, all the live services that we do. Uh, we do a Wednesday night Bible study that's uh, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book. And then Sundays uh, and, and weekend services, I take a small text from our upcoming Wednesday night study right. and kind of zero in. It gives me a chance to zoom in to any given section right. of, a, of a passage. So right now we're in the book of Daniel. So uh, that's been a blast. That's we, awesome. we love that. Well, I know that um, the Slavic community usually used to like Baptist and, and Pentecostal. That's kind of at least in my experience, that's usually the main. And the, some charismatics, your church is a little, maybe a little different because it's uh, it's a Calvary Chapel. And I don't know if a lot of Slavic people are familiar to that because I don't think you call your, the church actually Calvary Chapel. But what can you explain a little bit what is Calvary Chapel and maybe why you guys haven't officially become a Calvary Chapel? That's a great question. It, it's actually a long, it's a distant relative in some ways. I kind of look at, uh, so Chuck Smith um, was the guy that started Calvary Chapel back in the 60s, you know, in Southern California and the Jesus movement. It was one of the biggest revivals in, in our country's history, I think, uh, really. And um, and I'm sort of a grandchild of that. Uh, and um, I never knew Chuck, and I and I don't really know a lot of Calvary Chapel pastors, um, but but the pastor that I trained under was part of the Calvary Chapel movement in the early days. And, um, and so uh, we're not a Calvary Chapel just because I don't really know the Calvary Chapel movement. I've, I've never been connected to them. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I, what I uh, really appreciate about the Calvary Chapel uh, movement is, uh, you know, especially what Chuck Smith brought, was that, that was their, their call. Verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book, that's what Chuck stuck to. And I think of all the things that Calvary Chapel brought, that's my favorite part. And, and we've adopted that, uh, that same mentality. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a distant relative in some ways. Um, and, um, we've, we've chosen to be a non-denominational church. Um, but, uh, we're, we have lots of friends that, you know, churches that are our friends and we're, we're linked through friendship and, and, and prayer and, uh, and um, and not really, you know, I remember when the Calvary Chapels became, you know, people were saying this is a denomination in and of itself, you know, because it became a, a big organization. When Chuck passed and went to heaven, uh, I think that movement kind of split into a couple different directions. And um, and uh, and the Lord's just doing some different things there. But um, but I've been told by old Calvary Chapel people, Brett, you know, Athey Creek's more like Calvary Chapel back in the 1970s, uh, you know, in, in the sense of just the through the Bible Mm-hmm. teaching than it than it is uh than, than than even some of the calvary chapels are you know today so i just don't know i don't have a lot of experience with that right but, but um but that's what i so appreciate uh that that chuck smith brought was that through the bible right. teaching what's the closest uh, would you call if you had to put a label you know baptist pentecostal what would be the closest uh, to uh, that baptocostal <laughs> um no we um we we uh you know People uh, ask, you know, Brett, you know, when do you guys do the, the charismatic, you know, gifts? And, and I always say we're charismatics with safety belts. Um, you know, the safety belt is the word. And, um, and when we say char- – I've noticed, by the way, in the Slavic community, the word Pentecostal or, or, or charismatic, different. they mean different things yep, than, exactly. than in the American church. And, um, but, but for us, um, we, we always say let's do what the Bible tells us to do. If, this, if it's not in the word, we're not going to see it at Athey Creek. Yeah. Um, and, and some of my Pentecostal brothers in the American sense of that word, charismatic Pentecostals, when there, there's behaviors that I can't defend in the Bible, we, we won't do those things. There's plenty of, uh, work to do that the Bible clearly tells us to do. And, um, so, you know, we, um, I, you know, I, we're not cessationists. We don't believe that, you know, the Holy Spirit is done and not no longer, no longer working in the church. I don't believe that, but I also believe there's strict, you know, strict 
parameters that, you know, we're told how to behave in the church in the area of, you know, word of prophecy, word of tongues, uh, the manifestations of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. They're very clearly defined in the word of how they're to be, you know, enacted. So we, we stick with scripture on that as much as uh, any church that I know. I mean, I'm trying my hardest to say, let's, let's go with the Bible, <laughs> you know. That's awesome. Nobody cares what my opinion really is, but I think people do care what, uh, what, what does the Bible say about, about this? And that's, that's what we're trying to offer. Right, and that's the Calvary Chapel was kind of the reason I wanted to come because I really love that. Yeah, yeah, that type of teaching. Yeah, there's some great teaching that's come out of the Calvary Chapels, right. and even the the second generation. You know, Greg Laurie's down there in California, and he's part of that movement in the early days. I, I always like what Greg has done, and mm-hmm. uh, there's a there's a lot of you know second gen Calvary Chapels that are pretty incredible. You know, for sure. Yeah, yeah. and I think it's um, a, a lot of Slavic pastors. And I've been in meetings, I've sat in some meetings and they're, you know, they're asking, why are the teens leaving and why are they going to uh, Athey Creek? Well, young adults as well, (laughs) couples and and young young adults and uh, even older people. I've seen grandmas there with those little, uh, yeah, 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 the coverings and the the kids are sitting there translating. Even my parents haven't gone because they're, uh, they don't understand English that much, but my wife's parents, they did actually go. They actually surprised us. We're like, what are you guys doing here? Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, they're get, getting in trouble. <laughs> yeah, but, like, I think um, it's just the consistency. And mm. I think Dima's saying, like, Calvary Chapel, I think it's the actual, like, going back to the Bible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've tried so many things without through our generations um, that mm. going back to the basics. And some people don't realize how basic that that uh, goes into the bible not doing extra or above what's you know written in scripture like one of them that i think you mentioned before is um i'll get back to that so i first came to a service when you were still gathering at the school yeah oh wow. they were pulling out the chairs yeah back and in I the came old days with, uh, my friend uh, michael and irena uh, you probably know they always sat yes, in the front, yes. and they moved over to they moved to North Carolina, I think, yeah, South Carolina. That's right. And um, w- because we came there, they were young, and I mean, um, he didn't come from a Christian background as much. Mm. And within a year, because I worked with him, he was my boss. We had <laughs> arguments about the Bible, and I'm like, "There's no way he can do this in a year." Because I grew up in a Christian family where mom, dad would read the scripture to us, explain mm. it to us, and he didn't come from that background, and. Um, and within a year, he was like a full-blown Christian. I'm like, what is going on? So I ended up <laughs> going great. to Athey. I ended up going to there. And I didn't go full-time, but I went off and on. I went there to recharge, as I told mm-hmm. my parents and everybody else. I'm going to go recharge and then come back and maybe teach. And I literally copied everything that you said <laughs> and went and taught in the Russian, tr- uh, yeah. like the Sunday schools. Um, just trying to get kids to realize that the Bible is a lot. I mean, it's deep. Yeah, but at the same time, it's simple enough for kids to understand and be saved. Yeah, um, it's just amazing. So I guess mm, our question is, is which uh, I think a lot of Slavic pastors are asking is like, why is the Russian community going there? Because mm. um, from I think from a lot of their opinions, they're thinking, oh, it's the lax dress code. That's oh, the boy. number one thing that comes <laughs> up to me. They're like, yep, you yep. just want to dress how you want to dress. And I'm like, well, I don't want to think about what I put on in the morning when I go to church. Yeah. It just alleviates that, gives me more time to ponder if I need to read something and think about it, if what, what was coming up, you know, in the next service. Or Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a great question. And, and um, you know, the, the it is funny how the dress code, I've noticed with the Slavic community, and I think because of traditions, um, you know, that are in the Slavic church, um, it's that's that counts against us actually even the young people in our church it's funny athey creek uh, our church we have a lot of the slavic community in our church um and um but you can tell they're all dressed nicely (laughs) and i like that it brings a little class to our church but but i also think it takes the pressure off to you know we can be we have to be careful you know um, the bible talks about how man looks at the outward appearance and God looks at the heart of man. And I think a lot of us, we can spend a lot of time preparing our heart, you know, or our outer exterior, how we look and the, what, how we present ourselves and our, our families. But um, we, we have to remember who we're presenting to. We're presenting to the Lord. Um, you know, when, when Jesus was there talking to the woman at the well, it's interesting that, you know, she, she asked him the Bible question. Once, once she knew he was more than a prophet somehow, she said, you know, well, which mountain do we worship, Gerizim or Mount Zion? And Jesus didn't answer her, that question because that wasn't the right question. He said, you know, there's a time where, you know, the Father seeks those who are, will, will worship him in spirit and in truth. 
And as it turns out, God is seeking, you know, we churches, I think sometimes we look at people that they're the seekers and we need to try to accommodate the seekers or we even need to impress the other seekers that are coming. But as it turns out, God is seeking those who are willing to worship in spirit and in truth. And that's something that has really stuck with me is um, the ultimate seeker is God. God just is looking for people who worship in spirit and in truth. And the truth part, I think, is is the word. And so, um, you know, there's a lot. I think part of when, when I show up in shorts, there's a lot of people that struggle with that. And if they only knew, I, I've worn shorts since I was a kid. And I don't know that I could do, like, I'm really glad they don't make me put on a suit every Sunday. You know, it's, it's, it's just because um, who I am, but it's being kind of real of who I really am. But it also, I've found that there's a lot of good churches that you can dress up and, and there's suits and ties, and that's great. Uh, but I think there needs to be an option for people who don't have the suit and the tie or maybe couldn't afford it. Or um, if, a, if a person is unsaved uh, and they're just coming out of the street, uh, I don't want to make it a suit and tie issue where where they, they may never hear the gospel if they see everybody walking in, you know, with a suit. And we we see uh, lots of people saved. Last Sunday we had over 50 people, last weekend I should say, over 50 people accept Christ and get saved. We did 40-plus baptisms in the river. Um, and, it's, and I think that that's one of the things I, I think a healthy church will see people coming in. And, uh, and, and I think sometimes, and maybe, maybe in the American culture, um, more than even the Slavic community, um, the clothing thing, I think, was becoming a, a, actually a, um, a wall that was making people not want to hear the gospel, not be in church. And I'm wondering if maybe those years of tradition, sometimes you have to kind of break down some of those things. Again, it goes back to the Bible. What does the Bible say versus what is what what are, what are our you know traditions of man? And Jesus even had to deal with that. You know, the, by the time Jesus came on the scene, they had traditions uh, that the Jews had come up with, where you couldn't put, take out your false teeth on the Sabbath day, and and there were things. Jesus was out picking corn on the Sabbath, and they said you're breaking the law. But Jesus said, no, these are your traditions. This is not the actual law. And it's almost like what we have to say today, what Jesus was saying then, let's let's go with what the Bible says, but man's traditions, we should be really, really careful. A lot of the church I've found, um, and this is true in the Slavic church and, and some of the American churches too, and that is we have to be careful that our traditions don't get in the way of what the Bible is actually telling us. And and I know that's, that's a painful uh, thing to honestly take a hard look at that. But I'm finding that, that, that people, they'll trust the Bible, and they should, and we have to be a little bit careful about our traditions. I don't know. Does that, does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, for sure. Well, I, I know personally for me, you know, I, uh, I enjoy the Bible, and you go really deep into it. And at the same time, uh, something that, you, that, that I noticed myself, the more you know, I get into the Bible— the more I start paying attention to what's happening in our country. And it's just kind of, it feels naturally yeah. is what happens. And I appreciate that you are also very open about topics that are, you know, political topics and things that what's, you know, abortion and things that we care as well. And uh, I guess if you can talk a little bit about that, you know, a lot of churches in the Slavic community avoid that completely, mm. some slightly and uh, some, you know, just don't even talk about it. Yeah. Um, you know, I, again, not to be too uh, sounding like a broken record, you know, but I, I think that if the Bible's going to talk about it, I'm going to talk about it. Mm -hmm. uh, and um, and I, I feel like there's a lot of pressure. Uh, uh, and I, I honestly don't feel this pressure as much, but I'm told that, that people say, Brett, how, why, why are you willing to talk about all these things? I think that um, I've just got this kind of reckless I'm going to say whatever the Bible is telling me to say. Like, I'll, I'll say it, and even if they take me off to prison, you know, I think that's kind of my attitude. And and so um, when it comes to things like abortion, the Bible is really clear um, that, you know, life begins at conception. Um, the Lord is forming a little person in the in the mother's womb. And like, to me, there's just no question that, uh, the, the you know, that the, the so-called um, medical science, uh, they're not being honest. And as technology has gotten better and better, and we see these 3D images of the unborn child, uh, it's, it, there's no question. Uh, it's, it's just, it's just uh, one of the most sinful uh, things I think that we've, we've seen um, maybe since slavery in America. I, I really do believe that. And, and, and because I, it's not that I'm politically active, I'm just biblically sensitive to what the Bible teaches. And, and I, um, so I, all, as the Bible brings these issues up and if it's, if the Bible identifies it as sin, I, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to boldly uh, 
call it what the Bible calls it. It's not my, again, it's not my opinion that anybody's interested in this. What does the Bible really say? And any, anybody who's honest with what the scriptures say, they're going to have to come to that conclusion. It, it is something, isn't it? Isn't it something that it's the Christian church that largely leads the argument uh, against abortion? Um, and, uh, and it's, 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 it's the world that is pushing this, this, uh, you know, uh, as they call it, pro-choice. But um, I, I think that we have a, um, it, it's, it's so funny, we have a biblical uh, position, uh, but it's become such a political heated topic. And, you know, there's a lot of other issues that, that, that kind of fall in that category where people are celebrating things that the Bible calls sin, and, and the world is celebrating that. And uh, um, so when I talk about, here's what the Bible says, people are a little shocked. Um, but I'm shocked that they're shocked. Do you know what I mean? I'm, right. I'm surprised. Right. Come on, really? The Bible said this for a couple thousand years, right. you know. Um, right. I, I think uh, there's no there's no topic that really scares me, honestly. Right. Um, and um, and maybe that's just because I'm a little little dumb, or or maybe it's just because I'm just gonna keep teaching what the Bible says. You know? well, yeah. Well, we've had uh, for for about I don't know five six programs. We've we've had a kind of a conversation about church and politics. Yeah. And do you think that our Slavic churches that a majority don't really talk about politics. A lot of times it gets kind of, you don't, a lot of times the topics are a lot of times irrelevant what is actually happening in the world. Mm. Do you think, do you kind of, do you think the churches in the Slavic community should get a little bit more into that, those conversations? What do you suggest? Well, that's a great question. And, and uh, my, my answer is probably a little bit of a roundabout. Um, if, if you're to, if you're to nail me down, uh, sh- let me put it this way. Should the church talk about politics? My answer is no. Like hmm. seriously, I, I, I'm a, I'm into politics. Uh, I, I can hang with the best of them about know what's going on in the world geopolitically and also nationally, but I don't talk about politics. Right. And you say, well, Brett, you do talk about politics. Here, here's the here's the str- struggle. I, I don't I don't go out thinking I'm going to be a pastor that talks about politics. I, I go out saying I'm going to be a pastor that talks about the Bible, and so when the Bible deals with issues that are political, um, I'm going to talk about them. Um, I was accused of um, in the night in the 2016, you know, uh, election. I was accused of being too political and try and naming who we were. Who, uh, one lady went on on uh, you know all over the social media saying Pastor Brett, you know, told us who to vote for, and I can I can say I never told anybody who to vote for because I, I, I'm not I don't do that. But what I did do is say we have some candidates. Um, but here's what the Bible says about these issues. And I talked about the issues. Uh, and, and so I, I said, you know, the number one issue for me is abortion. Uh, this may be a number two issue, uh, along with a few others. My, you know, you could debate what is supporting Israel. Um, as a Bible teacher who believes God still has a plan for Israel, and the Bible says, I will bless the nation that blesses Israel, and I will curse the nation that curses Israel. And that's been proven for centuries, by the way. Um, uh, so when I say, you know, if you want to know what the Bible says, we, we are, we're, we're supposed to support Israel. We're supposed to uh, realize that the life is, uh, you know, from conception. And so people automatically, well, then Brett's telling us who to vote for. Uh, do you see what I'm saying? Right. I didn't say who to vote for. I'm just saying this is what the Bible says. So I'm not looking to be political, but when the Bible touches political issues, uh, I'm going to I'm going to speak on those things. And it gets down to a question. You know, people get all up in a tizzy, especially here in Portland. They think that I'm breaking the law uh, because of, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, the basically in, in 1954, you know, uh, President Johnson you know, signed this law that talk, tells us basically, you know, tr- pastors can't tell you who to vote for. And so people are really sensitive to that. But um, if that if that signing in 1954 meant that we we're supposed to, um, you know, not say anything political, then uh, take me to jail, cuff me, do whatever you're going to do, take away our tax exempt, you know, 503C. I, like, I, I really feel like um, actually that, you know, those amendments tend to uh, actually go against the original heart of the Constitution. You know, we, we have the right to gather as churches and speak what God has put on our heart and in his word. And so I'm going to stand on that. Uh, you know, that we can keep speaking what the Bible says. Uh, I, don't, I really don't care what uh, people are trying to tell us uh, that one way or the other. So I have a kind of question that's in line with what we're just talking about. Um, so from what you're saying is that you're the going through Scripture is involuntarily causing us to speak about these issues anyway. So it's not like we're choosing to speak. It would be really odd if the church was doing, like, sermonette-style style yeah. approach mm-hmm. where they were doing topical and they would, like, 
take a month and just talk about abortion. That would be very yes, I odd. agree. Um, but with what we're seeing as far as like within the Slavic community, either churches don't talk about politics at all because there's it's just either fear or I don't know maybe there's they just mm. don't look into politics. But everybody watches the news. Everybody knows what's going on. Sure. Um, I think at this point it's really impossible not to talk about it because it's invaded. Yeah. Our Slavic community, like about two years ago, the whole reason that the Slavic community even allowed us to go into churches, it was all blocked off, was because of well, the sexual education, uh, the sexual education and mandatory yes. vaccines. Yep. Yeah. We, were, we used to be able to, oh, health class, we're going to exempt that. You know, it's just one class. Right. Now it's like integrated into math, science, and oh, everywhere. It's you everywhere. can't just pull your kids from, well, we yeah. can't pull our kids from school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so... It's kind of involuntarily causing pastors to make decisions. And this is kind of mm. my question is, is um, there's the extremes of pastors not talking or being completely in denial of what's going on. Yeah. Because they're hearing what's going on in Canada. You know, people, pastors are being jailed for talking about uh, same-sex marriages right. and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. And then there's other kind of extremes where we're maybe, well, I guess it's a question for you is, uh, people ask me, so how come AD didn't go down to downtown Portland when those groups come over there and then Antifa starts attacking them and all this fun stuff? I'm like, well, uh, do you know what AD did, for example, in causing, like, for example, having the governor say that the mandates are not law? Yeah. Because that came from a, you mentioned there was a lady that yeah. um, went to AD or goes to AD that actually pushed that from like a legal <laughs> side, which is a lot more than just having a one-day service and yeah. ending up on the news. Yeah, um, it, it's interesting. You know, I'm not looking to be a rebel or trying to show our show of rebellion against the governor or any of that. I, again, my, my goal is to teach the Bible without hinder. I've got the constitutional right to gather and teach the Bible. And I think I, I, what I get to do in doing that, we've seen some really good fruit. Uh, I've seen people that were once, you know, having very worldly uh you know, uh, worldview, philosophy on life, who have come around and accepted Christ, and and the the Bible changes, you know them, and 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 you know so to me there's several ways to approach something. You can go out and pick it and march and do all that, and and I think there is a place for that. I think some people are called to that, um, but but for us, what the Lord's called us to do is is boldly preach the word and then see what happens. So what happened there, you know, we were one of those churches that, and I think we're one of the biggest churches that didn't like shut down for a long time, like all the other churches. A lot of churches signed that. I don't know if you heard about the signing of the, a lot of our churches in our area signed a thing to Cape Brown. You know, I I, I still don't know why they did it. Basically, uh, you know, saying we're going to do whatever the governor tells us to do. And they were signing their allegiance to that. And I, 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 I wouldn't sign that. And, um, and so after a few months, uh, we, you know, we, we did the online church for just a few short months and um, just because we didn't know what the pandemic really was. And we were we were trying to be loving and considerate. But when and I, but from the very beginning, I was saying, but we have the right to gather and we will claim that right uh, when we when we see what how this kind of shakes out. So once we opened back up and we opened early, um, uh, we got a lot of pushback from the state, and I got threats, uh, a lot of threats from different things, uh, different agencies, everything from Cape Brown to, to OSHA to uh, the Clackamas County Health um, and um, writing us letters that were very threatening. And there was a point where, um, you know, I, I'd, I'd heard about, um, you know, a church, John MacArthur's church down in California, mm-hmm. and he was getting all kinds of heat. Oh, yeah. And, and I heard of this uh, Thomas um, More uh, Society that was their legal representation. And I thought, I wonder if I want to call them. So I had one of my guys call them. And the lady that's kind of the main attorney there is Jenna Ellis. And she's um, she's on the news all the time. She was Trump's attorney during uh, uh, some of the voting issues and stuff. And, um, and she's kind of this big national constitutional law attorney. And after we called their office, 10 minutes later, we get a call from Jenna. And I was like, wow, <laughs> this is amazing. And she said, hey, Pastor Brett, you know, um, I've been to Aether Creek a bunch of times. And wow. I was shocked that she'd been there. Some of her family lives locally here. And and so she she knew about what we were doing. And she also knows that being a big church in Portland is kind of, you got a bullseye. 
and she heard of some of the threats that we'd, we'd receive. And so she said, I'd like to represent you and uh, pro bono. Pro nice. bono. Oh, wow. So we were like, wow, thank you. And, uh, uh, meanwhile, this, the thing that really kind of changed the tune, and you guys heard when, when Governor Brown said, okay, we're not going to go after churches. Mm-hmm. That came right after, uh, so that we were getting, the letters were heating up and the threats, you know. And uh, sh- Jenna just won uh, like six different uh, cases in the state of California against the state of California. And one was with, or five of them were with John MacArthur. But then right right after those, she won this battle. Maybe you heard about it where the state of California owed church, like four churches $2 million apiece because of harassment. And um, Jenna was the one who was spearheading that. So Jenna writes a nice note. It was just a nice letter to Governor Brown basically saying, hey, I don't know if you noticed we had a victory in California. It was real friendly. But we'd like you to, you know, not not harass Athey Creek. Um and, uh, and, and, you know, just beware, they have the constitutional right. And she explained our position, that we have the right to meet unhindered, you know. And, um, and that's when we really, we've been blessed. That, that's when Brown uh, wrote that or, you know, made that very quiet little comment. I don't know if they, she, they kind of tucked it back mm-hmm. in the back of the noise. But, uh, but it, was, it was a real, a real happy moment for us because we felt like that was our way of, you know, doing what God's called us to do and God just looking, looking out for us. And uh, we're thankful for Je- Jenna, but Jenna would be the first one to say, the Lord, he, he's the one who does the, the fighting. You know, so we weren't looking to be rebellious or activists, but I, I feel like the Lord is using us to help change some of the opinions and views and, um, and, um, and just being, being faithful, I think, is what the Lord's called a lot of, a lot of us to. So, you know, in, in my opinion, uh, Athey Creek, we've got a very clear directive, teach the Bible. Um, but I also believe when it comes to churches and being political, um, my my philosophy is if, if you teach the Bible, and I think, you know, you were, you were t- touching on this a little bit, when you teach the Bible, um, the fruit of that's going to be, you know, we talk about the church and everybody thinks, well, that's Athey Creek or the Slavic church or, but the church is, it's the people. And so I believe if you teach the Bible, there's going to be people fired up within the congregation who have a calling on their life to do amazing things outside of the church. You know, we we all think of the church as the place where we do ministry, but I call that the fishbowl. You know, Jesus said, uh, you know, I'll make you fishers of men. We're not supposed to fish in the fishbowl. We're supposed to go out and do the work. And so I love, we have, we have a bunch of great folks from our church, even though we, we keep it simple and fight for simplicity and teach through the Bible. We have, you know, uh, people like yourselves. We've got, um, you know, David Medina, who's part of that, you know, mm-hmm. Oregonians for USA. And he's, he's uh, I, I know he's got some new endeavors that he's working on. Yeah. Um, but um, we've got, there's, there's a, a lady who's got this amazing podcast and she's got, you know, uh, hundreds of thousands of people listening. Like the Lord is using. And then we're also seeing a lot of moms running for school boards, like, like what you guys said in the Slavic community. I think that's ground zero, honestly, of the battle is some of these local elections. And I'm just so blessed. We have one lady uh, in, in Canby who's just taken all kinds of heat uh, for being a Christian. And, uh, and, but she is um, uh, amazing. And Canby's funny because it's a small little farming kind of community, uh, country town. But it's, it's a little bit of an epicenter of some, some troubles, you know. And, and um, I'm just thankful for parents that are kind of stepping up to the plate right now. And I, I see that as a fruit. Uh, the Word of God, you know, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And we're seeing some of our people that are stepping out in faith uh, to run for these local school boards. And, and we've seen a several wins. And, really? But once wow. they win, uh, it's a battle. Like, like, like you're asking for trouble. <laughs> and you have to be kind of up for the fight. And um, to be a, a Bible-believing Christian in today's school board, uh, there's a lot of people who don't really want that. But uh, that's what we're seeing. That, that's how mm-hmm. it's, that's how for us. And I wouldn't even say every church has to do it like we're doing it, uh, but that's that's how it's working for us. How many folks in your church uh, would you say um, that are elected officials or ran for school board last last election? I, I you know, my wife is the one who she's really into this more yeah. than, than I am, and she she helps support. She's even got, you know, uh, groups and and uh, organizations she's working on to right. help support teachers and uh, and school board members. But um, I, I know I know personally four of them, and uh, and a couple who won, which mm-hmm. was really great. And um, and uh, we we've had some tough things. We had one of our gals who won the school board and did some hard fighting, and it just 
you know, and it just got brutal and she ended up uh, having to leave. And, mm. we, you know, and, and it's 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 a battle. Uh, yeah. It's not easy. But um, I'm just so proud of some of these uh, people who are willing to, you know, humbly. I, I say proud. I'm just I just feel like I, I know that it's a sacrifice for people to do these things. But um, until somebody really steps up, uh, it's. I think it's just going to go unchecked, you right. know. Um, one of the things of the Slavic community in our church, you know, and, and you guys know this better than I do, but they, a lot of our older Slavic uh, people are saying, Brett, don't you guys see what's happening in America? Like we, we've seen this before, you know, and, and, um, and it's been an interesting, good reminder for a lot of the American uh, church to, to actually be reminded, you know, th- things can change really quickly. And if we don't, if we don't, you know, make, make a change here it's it's gonna go really fast i'm i'm surprised how far things have gone in my lifetime right. you know uh, and i could see it happening really quickly you know right well you mentioned that thing johnson amendment right we talked a little bit yep. about that um so you 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 also said you're not you're not you're, not, you're basically not afraid to lose the tax exempt i feel like a lot of our churches and i know I, some churches did ask you know how to be best prepared for that because uh, some of them are seeing it it's going to be happening i don't know if some of them are prepared even for that uh, are you guys, for example, pre- prepared and how should a church in the Slavic community be best prepared for that? Because that's probably coming. Yeah, it's exemption. a great question. And um, I, I, I'm, I would say I'm not afraid of that. I, I do say I hope it doesn't happen. Right. Uh, you know, the, the original intent of, of you know, the nonprofit status was that the church could help take care of the poor and, and be effective and not be taxed. To, um, and, and in some ways, you know, some churches have done a disservice I yeah. think to to that where it it became more about building this big kingdom church kingdom, uh, and not about helping people. And I think that that um, that's why the churches I think should be a, really about caring for people and and reaching out and using resources and finances to uh, help the poor. And I think that's a, a key part of this thing. Um, but um, but if if they try to take that away, I think it's it's going to be hard. There's going to it'll it'll make some churches close their doors. And so I, I don't want that to happen i'm not looking for that to happen uh it'd be a real sad thing to me but um if it does happen i think the church will adjust um the one thing i've seen as as somewhat of a student of church history is whenever the church has been hit or persecuted the church flourishes and um and it gets stronger uh you know the persecuted church is some of the strongest church around the world um, I don't know if you guys have heard about the, you know, in Afghanistan, you know, once we pulled out in that disastrous pulling out of Afghanistan, the the church there, and I hear this from people that are on the ground in Afghanistan and even there still, there the church is growing in the midst of this Af- Taliban re- return to Kabul. And um, it's funny, you know, you think, oh, these Christians must be running to the hills, you know. But uh, it's actually kind of the opposite. And I, I do wonder, you know, if, if maybe, um, and I would never pray for that, oh, persecution come, you know. But if it does, and if, if they make it harder on the church, I believe that the church will rise up and and, and it'll separate sort of the, the um, I don't know how to say this nicely, but, you know, the people that are real people of faith, um, I think they're going to grow and get stronger and uh, and then the people that are there just for more of the social aspect, uh, it'll probably separate them out too. So um, I hope that doesn't happen. But if it does, uh, we are ready, and and um, we're just gonna have to rethink church, you know. And, and what does that look like? Um, they're they're trying to come at it different ways, you know. This cancel culture, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, those of us that have a large online presence, like there's a lot of churches and people that are being blocked on social media platforms and uh you know and um there's a there's a desperate attempt to silence uh people with with uh, godly views and um and so we're you know we have to kind of think through that what do we do if uh our youtube channel gets canceled you know um and do we have a plan for that and and athey creek's actively you know pursuing it making sure that we we do our best to try to keep the word out there and even if they do try to cancel us, you know, so that's uh, God forbid. Right, right. It's really interesting uh, because we're kind of touching up on these extremes. But um, yeah, you're you're a person that you love history, and you mention a lot of history and uh, in the services. Um, I ended up doing some digging in history too, and I was like, I was like, wow, this is unbelievable. But um, there's these guys that were named the Black Road Regiment. 
You've probably heard of them. <laughs> I've heard of them, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the whole Declaration of Independence was actually sermons. It was a combination of sermons that were preached on the pulpit yeah. against what the oppression that was pushed over from, from, the Europe, from the European side, from the British side. And the fact that they were mandating, you know, the religion, because it was a religion, state-run religion, uh, and, you know, everything comes into play starting from the whole separation of church and state was exactly from that because they're saying, hey, the state can't mandate religion because some little bigger group was taking right. over another smaller group. Or, yep. uh, so, I mean, I, I'm just, just trying to figure out, like, um, because some people say we have to be extreme in, in a way uh, and very upfront as churches. Where do you see the balance? Because uh, you're talking about the Johnson Amendment. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're talking about, uh, you know, tax exemptions going away. Is that going to put the church in the area where they're going to be like, okay, hey, if I don't have to do this, I'm just going to say everything I need to say, and they'll actually start speaking out more? Yeah, I, I think so. Um, you know, it is interesting, that, you know, the signers of our declaration, they all put their lives and families at risk. And uh, that was a radical deal, you know. And and um, it it is a question historically, and, and I know a lot of pastors, <clears throat> you know, we wonder about this. It's it's a funny thing because uh, on one hand, I'm really thankful those guys were willing to do that. On a on another, you know, what do you do when it says that we're to obey the rule, rulers and governors and pray for the authorities? And, you know, when, when Paul said that in First Timothy, he's talking about Caesar Nero, which he was a crazy wacko leader. And, and, and so uh, it, it does give you pause. Um, and, and so there is a place where we're supposed to obey the powers that be. I, I believe that. Um, but for me, um, the radical part comes when you um, when when they ask you to do something that is contrary to what God asks us to do in the word. And and um, that's where I think we're, we're touching difficult territory here in 2020 and 2021. Um, and churches are, are starting to be. Um, you know, for, forced to face those questions. When do you um, say we're going to, you know, remember, you know, Daniel, the decree was signed, no more prayer to, to any other God than Darius, you know, and, and uh, Daniel just prayed like he did always before. He wasn't making a show of his uh, demonstration. It says he, it says he prayed kneeling toward Jerusalem with his windows open as he did before. And I, I think that's what we as Christians need to do. It's not a radical show. It's let's be faithful to what God's called us to be and do. And <clears throat> I think the Lord will show us how to navigate through those times um, when they come, and um, and he'll protect his church. Uh, I, I do believe that. Um, I forget what your original question was. but <laughs> well, uh, So, I mean, um, what, what I'm kind of seeing is that the fact that I think pastors are left with a question like, do I just stay on the sidelines right now, or do we actually mm. go in and The fine balance. What's that yeah, fine balance? because there's this balance uh, that everybody's trying to kind of teeter on right now. And I think it, for the Slavic community with the whole, with the whole persecution thing, they're yeah. like, at one point, people are so fed up, they're just like, bring it on. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we've yeah. been through this in former Soviet yeah. Union where yeah. they said you can't bring kids to church with you, mm. only adults can go, or if, if that. Um, a lot of churches just were doing home groups. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We I, I talked to a, a couple in our church uh, year, several years back, but um, their grandfather went to prison in the former Soviet Union for singing the wrong hymn in church, mm. and was there for like ten years. And I, I thought, wow, <laughs> you know. I but you can almost see that kind of attitude against God's people. Um, man, uh, you know, all, I'm not sure I can answer that question. I, I, I just can say, here's what I know I'm called to right now. And I, um, I just don't know what the future looks like. Um, uh, but I think what we really need to be is, is sensitive to the Lord. Um, because the Lord calls us in different d- days in different ways. And, um, and to think that we we're going to do it this way and do it this way for forevermore might be a mistake. Uh, there's a story of David fighting the Philistines. Um, and, um, you know, he asked the Lord, Lord, should I go and fight the Philistines? And the Lord says, yeah, go and fight the Philistines. And so he does. And then like the next day, it's the same group of Philistines. He, he beat them down that first day and ran them off. The next time, they, the same Philistines, same valley, same everything. And I think it's cool that David said, Lord, d- today do I fight the You know, and I would have said, go fight them. You fought them yesterday. Why not just fight them? But the Lord said, do not fight the Philistines today. And he said, wait. And then when you see the wind blowing the mulberry trees, that's when I want you to fight. And I think the church has to move um, like that, saying, Lord, 
what do you want us to be doing today? And, um, and I know for, for Athey Creek, the Lord wants me to, sh you know, share the word, teach the word as hard as I know how and get it out to as many people as I can. And uh, that's what the Lord's called me to do today. But, um, but when it comes to what's happening in the world and, and what, what should our role be, um, I daily pray and say, Lord, show us what we should be doing. I think all pastors should probably be praying about that. And if we're not praying about that, it, we might be a little caught off guard um, because things are changing. Um, and they talk about this new normal, you know, and, and what exactly does that mean? And are we prayed up? If the church is prayed up and searching the scriptures for wisdom, I think we'll do fine. But if we're just going with, um, you know, the latest podcast or uh, news item, or if we're being driven by uh, social media, I think we have to be careful not to let that drive us. We have to be seeking the Lord. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these other things will be added unto you. And that's kind of the way we approach it. Right. Well, with, with speaking of a balance, a lot of the Slavic community, you know, or some of them are starting to actually get active, like us and, and some other folks. Yeah. And we also wonder what is that personal balance you know i remember you, you mentioned you know the grandparents they've came when they came through a lot of things my i like to always remember my grand-grandfather mm. alexander uh pavlovich uh and he uh, was in prison for about 10 years wow. and because he essentially became a christian and the whole um mm. kind of his town became christian after him and he was a musician and and uh, but he essentially went to prison for his faith uh what's that balance for for a christian uh, should we, because uh, I know I know some folks who get into politics, they kind of go off rails a little bit. Yeah. Um, so what's that balance? How do you keep that balance? And I know, you know, what, what would you recommend? Well, you know, I, I think we start with that, you know, that we're supposed to obey the laws of the land. But the balance to me is when somebody is asking you or telling you to do something that the Bible clearly says, you know, that's where the, the, the mandate to close church buildings and all buildings um, you know, uh, we have to say the reason Athey Creek, were, we were willing to cross that line. Um, we, we, we crossed a line that we had never, I have never, I'm a law-abiding citizen. I'm a patriot. I love our country. And then suddenly I'm doing what some people are saying was against the law. It was a little weird because um, the, the so-called law was coming from Governor Brown. It was a mandate. It wasn't a mm -hmm. law. It wasn't um, voted on. It, so it really wasn't a law. Um, but but people were saying, you know, your church is breaking the law. And, and, I, and I had to say, no, we're actually ho holding up the law. And the Constitution declares hmm. that we have the right to assemble and no one can interfere with that according to the Constitution. And we had some people in our church leave. Now, the, our front door was much bigger than our back door. We had some people leave the church because they, they viewed what we were doing as breaking the law by gathering. Um, but uh, there were a lot of people saying, no, we want to go to a church that's not just going to, you know, bow down to something that is actually contrary to the word. The word says, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together, as is the custom of some. Right. And, uh, you know, I, I could say a few months of us trying to find out about this pandemic and seeing how bad it really was. And, but when those numbers didn't really match up with what they were saying, we realized, okay, uh, things are good. And, you know, it's amazing. We met for a year and a half, uh, even though you know, the state of Oregon said no. And we had, you know, I, I did probably 10 or 12 funerals last year. Um, not one of them was coronavirus. Oh. Uh, I had some cancer ones and I had some, you know, people that died in good old age, you know. Um, we had our first coronavirus death a few months ago. And, uh, and um, you know, you'd think in a church of, you know, uh, five, 6,000 people, you'd think that we'd have at least one coronavirus, you know, or, or, or 10, or if it's a real pandemic. And so the numbers weren't really shaking. And here we were meeting the whole time, uh, you know, and uh, it was just kind of showing that I'm not sure we're getting the real true narrative here. So, so it was the, it was the world telling the church to close their doors. And then we'd see the mar marijuana dispensaries open and the liquor stores open and the church was still closed. I, 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 that's where I felt like, so you're asking where that line is? To me, that, that was the line that we had to say, it's time to do what the Bible says over um, what man, man says. Remember when they told you know, Peter and John and the guys, you know, stop, stop saying the name of Jesus around town. And there in Acts chapter 5, Peter said, we ought to obey God rather than men. 
And um, that's, that's the line, is when, when you're choosing, am I going to obey God or am I going to obey man? I think we have to pray about when, when is that uh, going to happen and what, what are the issues that are going to be in front of us. Um, the vaccine, uh, there's a, a touchy subject. Yeah. Um, that's a harder one because, and I've told our congregation this, I can't make a biblical case uh, about the vaccine. Like, thou shalt not get a vaccine. Um, I, you know, and, and we, we, our whole congregation, you know, there's a bunch of our military firefighters, nurses that are all, you know, being threatened that they're going to be, you know, fired if they don't get the vaccine. And, um, and, um, you know, I think they're all looking for Brett, tell us a biblical reason why we shouldn't get the vaccine. And I, I just have to say, I'm not a doctor, um, you know, and, and there's some nuanced things I, we could talk about, about where vaccines come from in the 1960s and 70s. And there's some, I understand all that, but, um, you know, an airtight case of, of, you know, that I, I can't make that. But here's here, if, if you pull me off the pastor role for a second and just let me talk to you as a friend. I think in America, we our Constitution protects us and uh, and helps us. Uh, we can make decisions. We have a, we have the liberty to choose what we're going to do, and and so that becomes a very different argument. You know, um, is that line should you know what if they all lined us up and said you have to get the vaccine? You know, and that's kind of what's happening in a lot of circles. And um, so um, you know, my answer to that one is different than the the one about gathering in the church because I've got a I've got some scripture that says the church is supposed to gather no matter what. Um, but I don't have that as far as the vaccine. So I've been encouraging our people, man, pray about it. Seek the Lord um, and do what the Lord has called you to do or not to do. Um, talk to your doctor. You know, um, uh, it's such a funny thing because I can make I can make a really good case um, that uh, why would we trust, uh, you know, all this misinformation we've been given information that is on all uh, ends of the spectrum as far as health and vaccines and masks but uh for me that's 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 one where you know you ask where that line is um i i i draw a line even with vaccine as far as i i can't make a biblical case for that does that make sense yeah yeah. and it's a tough one because i I know a lot of people uh who are saying man you know this is this is not right well we we don't have a lot of time left i just really i know we have we have a cool question from from instagram uh and if you can just briefly uh sue asks um you know is athe creek uh, considering opening up a christian school uh, with everything that's going on in your teacher herself, so you know exactly, you know, mm-hmm. probably what she's dealing with. And she's a teacher as well. Yeah. Um, and should churches get into that more? And maybe uh, and m- maybe we can have a second program next time sure. and we can get more in-depth of this question. But uh, briefly, what would you recommend? Uh, yeah, I'm s- I'm very much interested in that. But here's the thing. If Athey Creek were to do it, we'd want it to be top-notch. Right. And um, right now we have a problem just logistically. Uh, our building is just over, you know, five services every Sunday, uh, Wednesday night. There's uh, there's uh, Sunday night. You know, we got all these. Uh, it's a little crazy right now. And and we're getting ready to build phase two. Um, and that's where we kind of see the possibility of opening up a school someday. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got a lot of teachers, top dot teachers, and Brett sign us on when we do that. Um, what we are doing right now that was actually shockingly more of a success than we even hoped for, uh, is we started a co-op for homeschoolers, um, and it was a Monday, Wednesday, Friday kind of thing, and we thought maybe 40 or 50 kids and parents would show up, 400 on our first uh, first day, and, wow. and um, we're helping with um, science projects, and some of the things parents have a hard time doing with their resources at home, and so we are, it's just a co-op, and it's just, a, um, a, we're just trying to support parents uh, and what they're doing with their homeschooling. Um, my daughter is a public school teacher and she's in the public school fighting the good fight, you know, and, and she's a great teacher. Um, so I support public school too, even though, uh, the agenda is so horrific in the public schools. I'm just glad that there's still teachers like my daughter and they're fighting in the, in the trenches. Uh, someday I could see a school, uh, but that's for Athey Creek. That's probably down the road quite mm-hmm. a ways. Right. Right. Yeah. And, um, just before we close, um, I do want to, uh, just, if anybody just tuned in, and wondering, you know, who we are. We're, we're here with Slavic Vote. Uh, Slavic Vote Live is the organization. Pastor Brett is one of our special guests, and we're really excited to have him. Uh, and uh, I just wanted to kind of give uh, Yaroslav, I think we're just going to keep going until Timur uh, turns us off. But uh, if there's one more question that you want to ask, and I, I, what, would you, what would it be? Uh? So um, 
we had the opportunity to meet a very young lady that actually was at a booth with us. Mm-hmm. We Madeline. Kind of, yeah, Madeline. She's actually actually an A3P go, as we found mm-hmm. out. And she, I was like, yeah, ah. she recently started so going. There's a lot of organizations that are popping up. Uh, there's even a really interesting event that happened. Uh, there was a... Um, in Vancouver, because I'm from Vancouver area, um, they actually asked a Slavic pastor to go to talk to American pastors. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe just to try to get it them kind of activated or, you know, not just politically, but just talking about the specific topics. And I know that there's organizations like uh, Turning Point USA, mm-hmm. and now they made a, like a Turning Point Faith, faith mm-hmm. option. And I mean, I can read their... Um, their motto that I pulled from the website, it says thousands of American churches with millions of members are aligned with TPUSA mission to restore traditional American values. At present, however, they lack civic engagement and opportunity to make positive political and cultural change in our nation. Turning Point Faith is on a mission to activate the faith community to be civically engaged like never before by empowering pastors and equipping their congregations to take action. So in the Slavic community, what we're seeing is that not that the pastors don't want to. A lot of them are oh, just overloaded. I mean, I know you, you yourself do like, what, five uh, services yeah, or something yeah, a week? Yeah, two, two Saturday nights and three Sunday mornings. When we tell yeah. that to yep. Russian pastors, they're like, impossible. <laughs> that is impossible. But, yeah, it's done. Um, so we don't – usually we don't overload the Slavic community of pastors. We're, we just tell them, hey, you know, we're going to go and, you know, present the material on a drive at a church. Uh, and that's worked out pretty well. Um, what's the stance with like Athey Creek as far as like Turning Point Faith, for example, where they yeah. want to go and like, okay, election season, we want to make sure everything's everybody's registered. They're not like, yeah. What, what's the consensus? Yeah. Well, um, and this is something that I've adopted early, um, and it comes through prayer, and I haven't taken this lightly. And and I'm yeah. often, I'm, I'm just going to say it, I'm often misinterpreted yeah. on this one. But um, here's here's my goal is, um, m- you know, Athey Creek's vision is to get people to come. Mostly our reach is for the unsaved. We really want to get the unsaved. And um, living in Portland, I would love to reach the most progressive liberal people that are out there. Now, it's, there's no secret uh, where I stand as far as politically. I, I think if somebody took 10 seconds and watched a few teachings online there, but 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 one thing that'll happen is if and I love Charlie Kirk I love Turning Point like I, I think they yeah. all do an amazing work and and I support okay. them and we have people in our congregation that support them um, but um, but I I don't want to be the church that if some you know picture let's just be crazy for a second wouldn't it be great if Kate Brown came to Athey Creek and heard the gospel and like really truly heard the gospel of Jesus Christ that we're all sinners and that Jesus died on the cross for our sins and that he rose up from the grave. And all we have to do is repent of our sins and 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 confess our faith in Christ. Uh, and it says you'll you'll be saved. And and I'd love to see more and more. And and we do get that. You know, you'd be you'd be shocked at some of the people that stroll into Athey Creek. You know, and and just say what, what's the deal with this? But I think once we become the place where we're trying to register voters, now you got to understand, I'm 100% into that. And I do when I when it, when it comes time, I I talk to the congregation about you need to vote. Like this is something that we have the privilege of doing. I'll I'll say that. Um, and uh, but but at the same time, I'm I'm careful to keep it sort of uh, you know if if, if I'm going to offend you or if I'm going to make you not come to my church, I don't want it to be because of a political position that we've taken. I want it to be because of the gospel that I'm presenting. If if I'm offending you, hopefully I'm offending you with the gospel. Um, does that make sense? Yeah, and I think there's enough gospel <laughs> to offend by. Yeah, I mean people, that's, but um, but but here's the thing. Um, I have to be really uh, clear on this because I, I I can't be as I mean I can't be more supportive for what Turning Point's doing, uh, and there's there's a lot of organizations that just just in my heart I'd love to have them come to Athey Creek, um, but uh, but knowing what God has called us to do and and um, some people say well brother that's a cop out you're just trying to hide uh, I'd say listen to my teachings and ask if I'm hiding. <laughs> yeah, and I, I just want to kind of close with a, a very interesting uh, situation or uh, kind of like a testimony, I guess. Um, you know Bill Krasnogorov. Oh, I Red love Hills. Bill. Bill's yeah. a great guy. So we were working with a homeless couple once and kind of go back to the whole clothes thing. People yeah. are like, how do you bring a homeless person into church? Well, we brought this couple 
into Athey when you guys were when we were still gathering at the Wilsonville yep. location. Yep. Sat him right in the front. <laughs> <laughs> One service was enough to completely change the thought process. It was a couple, so husband and wife. And between driving from Vancouver where they were staying at with us in Wilsonville, yeah. the the young lady, she was writing something in the back and she wrote two poems. So one actually it was mm. twice that we took him there. So the first serve and it was enough to touch that person wow. to wake up and be like, What am I doing mm. with my life? Um, not so much the husband, but on her side. And I'll bring you those letters. Well, I actually love found to see them that. recently. Wow. But the, what she wrote in there was just amazing. It's a poem form. And I was like, I got to mm. put these in a That's glass. That's something. And... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I would like to say um, that I, to me, what you guys are doing is kind of what I, I, you know, I don't differentiate as much that Slavic vote, for example. To me, you guys are the church. It's uh, we I think we tend to make too much maybe and and I know uh, there's probably some Slavic churches that would say Brett don't don't say that but I think the Slavic Church is Athe Creek and the Athe Creek is the Slavic Church we're the Church of Jesus Christ we're called the Bride of Christ and 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 I think sometimes we make too much of the actual uh, geographical locations and demographics of our people but people that you know are in the in the fundamental you know uh, gospel the, the fundamentals of, of our Christian faith we're all part of the same church and the church is busy uh, and you guys are one of those groups that are busy doing something that really matters and um, that's what I love to see and and um, I, I hope that the Slavic Church, you know, can be a place where um, and, and, and Athey Creek can be a place where people come to get recharged, like you said, and get kind of pumped and encouraged in the word and then go out into all the world like Jesus gave us the Great Commission and preach the gospel and make disciples. And, and, um, and I think that's what you guys are doing. I think a good disciple, by the way, is a good voter. Hmm. Like you're, you're, you're contributing to. Um, what Christians need to be doing. And, um, and I think that's, I think we, we, you know, we want to make it, it's got to be the church doing that, like the church, Athey Creek, but I think it's the capital C church right, that, that, right. that really matters. So keep up the good work. I got to really you. commend you guys for what you're doing. Thank you. Well, our goal, you know, it, we do go to churches and we, it's a little different, I think, in Slavic churches because a lot of them don't vote uh, and don't, not even registered. So we kind of have mm. to kind of nail that. And you'll be surprised a lot of pastors thought the congregation was all registered. And we've still wow. received a lot of people registering. And it really comes down to actually coming to them and them actually registering when you're actually there kind of handing it to them. So um, yeah. so if that's something that uh, something to think about. but Well, the, the math, you know, just, just seeing how many great Slavic people in our church, the math says, man, if, if we get those are some really good voters that we need to like, like the, I think the, the Slavic community can make a huge difference in the direction of even the state of Oregon, which is in desperate need of resuscitation. Oregon has become the joke of the nation. I mean, pe comedians joke about Oregon. Yeah. Um, and I think that, um, I think we're at a unique place where, um, you know, if there was ever a time to sort of take back Oregon, uh, now is the time because people are pretty fed up and, um, and I think there's a lot of people coming out of the woodwork, um, you know, Americans and hopefully more and more, uh, you know, so the Slavic community can come and, and just say, hey, let's let's make a difference right, here. Right. You know? Well, I, I hate to uh, cut it short. Uh, people are asking questions still, and I, I, I hope we can have sure. this conversation again. It would be my pleasure. Uh, so, yeah. we, so perhaps uh, this will be a, just part one of, of uh, maybe two or three <laughs> episodes. So <laughs> yeah. we would love to have Thanks you back. Thanks for having me. Thank really, you. really thank an you. honor to be with you guys. Thank you. It's really good to have you. Well, everybody, thank you so much for being here, for listening to us. And, um, again, uh, this is Slavic Vote Live. Uh, Yaroslav, thank you for joining us today. I really appreciate it. And Pastor Brent, my name is Dimitri. And Timur, thank you. Slavic family, thank you for this opportunity. And uh, if you want to see this episode or the next episode, subscribe to our Facebook or and, uh, subscribe to our YouTube. Make sure you'll you be able to get the next episode uh, to your newsfeed. So anyway, thank you. God bless. Bye. This podcast couldn't have been possible without our incredible producer, Vitaly Zaitsev. And of course, we'd like to say a special thank you to our supporters, sponsors, and contributors. Special recognition to some of our sponsors like Red Hill Construction, Pinmeni Pinmeni, Martinev Realty, and American's Best Realty, among others. If you'd like to learn how to partner with Slavic Vote, you can find more information on our website, slavicvote.org. Thank you for listening and join us next time. Oh, 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 oh.